Indeed, God is bigger than any mountain we can and cannot see. All right. One of my patients came in this week, and he shared a story with me about uh, this guy. Let's just call this guy Bubba. And um, Bubba died, unfortunately. And um, he got to heaven. And as he got to heaven, um, things were a little different. Um, it was heaven getting kind of packed. So they had these screening questions that they had to, to ask. So St. Peter asks Bubba, says, hey, you know, this is what's going on. We got to ask you some, some screening questions. So I need you to answer some questions. Bubba says, okay. Now, keep in mind, Bubba wasn't necessarily the smartest guy. But he's in heaven. He's getting to heaven. So St. Peter asks him the first question. He says, um, I want you to, to tell me two days of the week that start with T. And he thinks, okay, two days that start with T. That start with T. Um, uh, yeah, today and tomorrow. <laughs> and St. Peter kind of shakes his head. He says, oh, you know what? Uh, that's not the answer I was looking for, but I- I'll give it to you. He says, okay, second question. He says, how many seconds are there in a year? And Bubba reels back. He says, whoa, seconds in a year. And that's tough. That's tough. And he's thinking, he's pondering pondering for a long time. He says, ah, there's 12. And Peter says, huh? So he's the 12 seconds in a year. January 2nd, February 2nd, March 2nd. St. Peter again shakes his head. He says, all right. Okay. Third question. What is God's name? And he says, uh, God's name, God's name. Howard! Huh? Baba, how did you come up with Howard? He says, everybody knows this Howard. He says, yeah, but how did you come up with Howard? He said, you know that prayer. The prayer says, yes. Says, our Father who in art in heaven, Howard be thy name. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> teach us how to pray, Lord. Teach us, teach me to pray. How fitting. Um, so, um, Thank you for still laughing. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, our message today. Um, I'll be up front. I'm going to disappoint Mr. David because it's not about sight or seeing. You know, like two weeks ago he said he knew what I was going to preach about, but it's not sight or seeing. Uh, as we wrapped up last week, not actually not as we wrapped up, but last week I, I shared a piece of text. From Proverbs. Proverbs 8, 32 to 36. I want to, to look at that again. So if you can, go ahead and turn to, to Proverbs 8. I'm going to pick it up in verse 32. I'm waiting. Don't you love the informality of, of our church where you could do that? <laughs> 
All right. So I'll pick it up now. Verse 32. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Blessed the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. As we, as we taught last week, we, we, or when I, when I spoke, I shared that God's goal for us is everlasting life with him. And that this text, this little bit right here, serves as a, as a map to, to get us there, to get us to everlasting life with him. By way of recap, the last couple times that, that I've been able to, to share, um, we talked about having empathy. We talked about being careful with our speech. We talked about being good listeners. And all are necessary as a part of our, of our journey with Christ. And they're all vital to our testimonies as his true followers. Our willingness to be empathetic, to put ourselves in another's shoes. Again, it goes a, a long way toward understanding what others endured. And it allows us common ground for us to grow in meaningful relationship. Uh, we have to be willing to understand and share feelings of others. Empathy, uh, it, by its very nature, is critical to our success as Christians and to church as a whole, all right? Um, there can be no reconciliation without empathy. Um, if we can't put ourselves in other shoes, how can we expect to be supportive or, or offer encouragement? Um, just think back to the early church, the Jews and Gentiles. They, they were able to, to find common ground. They were able to better relate to each other. The whole mystery that Jeff talked about, it was contingent upon empathy and, and seeing past differences in order to form a new race of people. Uh, these people who, who belong to the way. Now, we should be about building authentic relationships. And that can only happen with meaningful conversation. Again, nothing can, be, can happen without effective and, and honest communication. We have to go beyond surface stuff as we learn people. We have to learn what motivates them. We have to learn what they're passionate about. Um, it's true of all relationships. You know, we can't just simply coexist. For those of us who are spouses, we, we can't have a good relationship with those, that most significant relationship if, if we just simply try to coexist. It's just not going to work. We have to be caring. We have to engage with our hearts and, and with our minds. You know, we, we rolled into the two parts of communication Speech and, and listening, you know, what we say, how we say what we say, it matters as we learn to empathize and make sure that our tongues don't show our religion to be worthless. You know, we talked about our mouths having potential to make our lives miserable and it can affect our, our destiny. Listening, listening is a, is a conscious decision. It's something that we have to choose to do. God honoring. It's a first step in obedience and it's a demonstration of our ability. 
listening speaks to, to our having a teachable spirit. What exactly is it to have a teachable spirit? That's where I want to go today. That's what I, I want to share as, uh, as I've been studying for today. I want to unpack it a little bit. So what is it to be teachable? It means one is able and willing to learn. One is capable of being taught. When we think we have things already figured out, we're not teachable. According to author and speaker John Maxwell, to have a teachable spirit means having a passion to learn, possessing an intention to learn daily, and reflecting on what we're learning to know how to apply it. It means we're willing to seek out and learn lessons from others, from experience and from reflection. In so doing, we're able to increase our capacity for growth. In our case, our goal is to grow in our knowledge of God and deepen our relationship with Him. There's a blogger by the name of Dave DeSelm. And he states that teachability is not so much about competence or mental capacity, but it's all about attitude. It's all about attitude. It is the desire to learn, sorry, to listen, to learn, and to apply. It's the hunger to discover and grow. In short, teachability is the willingness to learn, unlearn, and relearn. A lot of us know who, who Jordan Wooden is, legendary coach. He once said, it's what you learn after you know it all that counts. Wow. A short statement, but very profound. It's what we learn after you know it all that counts. There's a, another blogger. His name is Kevin Halloran. He writes a blog called Anchored in Christ. And he notes that teachability means you're aware of the limitations of your own knowledge and abilities. How many of us are aware of our limitations? If we're honest. You admit limitation, inability, and ignorance to others who can teach and help. Uh, I talk about it often, but I'm not necessarily one who's ready to admit that I'm ignorant, uh, but I am. So we have limitations, inability, or ignorance. You regularly ask for help, instruction, guidance, and advice before an event, not after disaster strikes, but you seek out, you seek out guidance and help beforehand. You learn from anyone and everyone you can. You listen to others carefully and patiently with a desire to learn as much as you can from everyone. You're prepared to move out of your comfort zone, try something different, make mistakes, look stupid, answer wrongly. But it speaks to your ability to, to learn. You don't give up when you fail at something, but seek help and try again and again until you get it right. 
You're willing to change your views and practices when convincing evidence is presented to you, even if it means admitting you were wrong. I'll read that one again. You're willing to change your views and practices when convincing evidence is presented to you, even if it means admitting you are wrong. Becoming teachable is not something that happens like this. It's not instantaneous. It's actually a process. So being teachable is like learning itself. It takes time. It's something that we have to, to work on. It's something that we have to put effort into. It's something that requires commitment on our part. We're not just going to be tap dancers, Savior and Glover all of a sudden. We actually have to learn and put in years of work. Peyton one day hopes to end up in, uh, on a big stage somewhere. And she works and she works and she works and she works at holding her craft. It's, even though she has talent, it's not something that's going to come. She has to put in the effort and the work. And that's what being teachable is. We have to put in the effort. Where does this process begin? Where does it start? In Matthew 18, 2, um, Jesus is telling his disciples. He's speaking to them. He says, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus isn't telling his folks to be childlike. He's, telling, he's not telling them to, be, to become kids again. He's trying to convey to them, and us in turn, that we have no status. We have to be humble. We have to have sincere hearts. And we have to be dependent on him for everything. Because remember, they're in a culture where kids had, they were nobodies. And if you're the youngest, heaven forbid, Pearson, be glad we don't live back then because you'd be the one doing all the work. You'd be washing everybody's feet. You had no status. You're nobody. And he's telling us that we have to be like children. We have to have no status. We cannot think that we're anybody. We have to be humble with sincere hearts and depend on him for everything. Rick Warren, he noted um, that in many ways when it comes to humility, God wants us to be like little children. Why? Because children are teachable. Little kids anyway. Because you, you get to be teenagers and all of a sudden you know, you, you know everything again, right? But when you're little, when you're little, you're teachable. You're open to learning. You're, in fact, sometimes you're eager to learn. They're not defensive. They're not usually blinded by or filled with pride. There's a guy by the name of Charles Simpson. He's a, he's a teacher and author. And he said, I'd rather teach a man how to learn than to teach him all I know. There's something about learning. So teach a man how to learn. You know, the saying, teach a man to fish, he'll live. You give him two fish and, you know, he, he'll eat. There's a difference. There's another author I came across. His name is Steve Porter. He says, we become teachable when our desire to receive wisdom is greater than our desire for comfort. In 2020, that's a big pill to swallow. 
in Luke 10. It tells the story of Jesus going to Mary and Martha's house. And we know the story that's Martha was getting upset with Mary because she wasn't helping. But Mary parked herself at Jesus' feet. She was just soaking up as much of him as she could. She was less concerned about how it looked because it wasn't right for a woman to be in the company of men like that. She was certainly out of place, but she didn't care. She sat at his feet and just soaked him up, soaked up whatever he was talking about because that for her was all that mattered. She had opportunity to learn from the master and she wasn't going to let anything get in the way of that. Certainly not her sister. Again, it's about wisdom versus comfort. The disciples in in John 11 they had spent a lot of time with Jesus. And they were starting to get it. Just like our song today, Teach Me to Pray. One of the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Again, they had opportunity to, to learn as much as they can from Jesus himself. They wanted to be taught. Now, they were prone to mistakes, right? Huge mistakes. They were, they were human. But they were teachable. So what are some characteristics of a teachable person? As we, as we try to explore what it is to be teachable, there are some, some things that we should look for. The Selm, in, his, in one of his blogs, he posted, A teachable person keeps a humble heart. Proverbs 26, 12, it says, Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Teachable people approach life with an understanding that they can learn from anybody, regardless of that person's state, status, station in life. Uh, That kind of spirit... That kind of person, it it requires humility. And that humility keeps the door open for knowledge and truth to find a lodging place in our hearts. Even if it comes from the most unlikely of sources. Sometimes those of us who are aged, who have years and have experience, sometimes it takes a kid just with childlike vision to see something that that we can't. I may have shared this story one time but I remember Kristen was little and she was playing with an Afghan and she was dragging it across. She had her dolls and she was pulling it across the carpet. My mother happened to be there and she said sweetheart, don't do that, don't do that. You're going to put a hole in it. And it's an Afghan, right? And Peyton, I mean Kristen, she says, but Gigi, it already has holes in it. Because <laughs> it's an Afghan. I mean, she was, she was just speaking truth. So sometimes our eyes need to be opened by little kids. And again, it can come from the most unlikely of sources. We demonstrate humility when we learn from criticism 
or seek the counsel of others. If pride, if pride prevents you from receiving correction or asking questions, then you are not teachable. The teachable person learns in failure. Proverbs 5, 12 to 13. It says, And you say how I hated discipline, and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. Few of us welcome failure. Most of us don't go saying, how am I going to fail today? It's just not something we seek after. Yet, it can serve as fertile soil in which the seeds of learning can take root. We have the story of Peter. After Jesus is crucified, and we know what happened the morning of his crucifixion. He denied Jesus the three times. Or he denied him before the, the cock crowed. And Jesus told him it was going to happen. He had failed immensely. But Jesus came back and says to him, I'm going to build the church on you, the rock. So despite, he, he understood what it was like to mess up, to be human, and to receive mercy. And, and that... Again, he was fertile soil that the church could be built on. Proverbs 15, 32 says, If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. Rick Warren, in another post, notes that humble people are always learning because they're open to correction. You guys are tired of me talking about how I'm talking about myself. But if we're open to correction, opportunities to learn, they just flow. Everybody's ignorant, just on different subjects. That's why two heads are better than one. It's why I'm married to Kelly. I'm being honest. I'm not trying to make light. I have so many flaws, and I, I need Kelly to, to balance me out, to, to help me along. Now, we don't have time in life to learn everything from personal experience. We just don't. You know, as a result, we, you know, because we don't mess up and we don't learn, we just keep messing up. We just keep messing up. It's wiser to learn from the experience of others. Have counsel. You know, the, the, we have to learn to ask questions. Because a, a teachable person maintains a high curiosity quotient. I actually liked how that, when I, when I saw it in the blog, like, whoa, a high curiosity quotient. Sounds intelligent. Proverbs 25.2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal things. But the glory of kings is to search things out. God designed us to be curious people. To ask questions. 
to always be in search of answers. And when we have the answer today, new answers tomorrow. He uses our curiosity, our human curiosity, to expand our knowledge and our understanding. Teachable people place themselves intensely among people, events, cultures, and thoughts that will challenge their status quo. Smart people hang out with other smart people. They just do because the knowledge that flows. They put themselves in places that will challenge what they know. So most of us are content with where we are in life, and we don't want our norms challenged. Um, a, a while ago, Jeff pointed out in a sermon that um, <laughs> he said, we're all right, and we all know we're right until somebody proves that we're wrong. And it's just true. We're right until somebody points out we're wrong. As humans, we rarely ever want it pointed out that we are wrong. As such, we walk around in defensive postures, right? Unwilling, unable to receive new information because, you know, we're always like this. We're always defensive. Think of the idea of the fist. You know, it's, it's the same hand, but when the fist is closed, it's not open to receiving. And that's how we run around. That's how we spend our lives. Defensive, unwilling unable to receive new information. We don't want to, to ask questions of life as we don't necessarily want to hear the answers. Because again, it's going to mean that, that we have to change or do things differently. And if we're honest, we just flat out don't want to do that. We like things the way they are. We just do. We all know who Albert Einstein is. Um, probably one of the most intelligent people to ever have lived. God gave him a capacity that most of us can't fathom. He actually said this about himself. He says, I have no special talent. I am only passionately curious. Wow. He is passionately curious. He was always looking for new answers. He was always in search of something new. It is a reminder that we need to be like little children again. Keep asking the whys. Any of us who are parents, you know, there would come that time where you, you, you run out of answers and you just say, because I said so. But we need to be like those little kids again and just keep asking. Just keep asking. It will do us some good. We have to have that spirit where we just want to keep learning. But we also understand that learning is a means to an end. This point um, in DeSelm's post actually hit close to home for me. He pointed out that the greatest enemy of learning is knowing. The greatest enemy of learning is knowing. If you think you already know, you don't think you have more to learn. A know-it-all doesn't really know at all. 
how profound. If you already, if you think you already know, you don't think you have more to learn. That, that leap is a big one. And it's a big one for most of us. Because the, the goal of learning is action, not knowledge. The goal of learning is action, not knowledge. If you don't act on what you learn, then genuine learning hasn't taken place. Knowledge for the sake of knowledge is pointless. In fact, it's worthless. Knowledge for the sake of knowledge is worthless. It's what we do with the information we acquire that's important. It's not enough just to listen. I'm not taking anything away from my sermon two weeks ago, but it's not enough to just listen. In our opening passage in Proverbs 8, God gives us instruction. He gives us his instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. What's the point of instructions if we don't follow them? How many of you read your lawnmower instructions? My man. I can't even find my manual, and I needed to do something. But there are no point to instructions if we don't follow them. We have to do what they tell us to do. That's the wisdom part of this text. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Be wise. Do what God tells us. Don't ignore it. It's, it's so simple. It's right there. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Just do what I tell you to do, dude. Just do it. In Acts 8, there's that story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. The, the, the eunuch, he was, he was eager to learn. He was so eager to learn that when he came across the text that he couldn't understand and Philip appeared, he asked Philip to, to explain all the writings to him. And when he finally understood what all those writings meant, he took steps immediately to get baptized. So again, it's not enough to know. For, for the eunuch's sake, he didn't want to just know what the text said. Once he figured out what the text said, he said, I, I got to do something. Action is required. Action is required. Another characteristic of being teachable is we have to look for and plan for teachable moments. Teachable moments occur every day. Every day. In observation, through conversation, they happen. We just have to be open to the idea that we can pull something, we can learn something in these moments. If you capture these moments, 
you'll discover that there are opportunities in every situation. Every situation. I had one yesterday. I was having a conversation with Karen, and he was saying something, and I just, I just made statements, but I didn't have context. And I didn't heed what I even talked about two weeks ago. And again, it was, it was a learning opportunity for me. I, I didn't necessarily like how it went about, but it was an opportunity to learn that I need to open my ears. Again, we have to look at every, op- every situation as an opportunity to learn. You can also take another step beyond this and actively seek out and plan teachable moments. You do that by reading books that challenge you, visiting places that inspire you, attending events that prompt you to pursue change, and spend time with people who stretch you and expose you to new experiences. A lot of us like, I mean, of course, we live in a time of COVID, right? So we we have to have our bubbles. But outside of COVID, we like to live in our little bubbles. We like what we like. We don't want to be challenged. We don't want to have exposure that causes us to have to think differently. But we have to be open to the idea of change. Not for change's sake, but with the idea of continual improvement. The idea of continual improvement. If we all improve as individuals, if we earnestly strive to improve as individuals, collectively, communities get better. As more communities get better, society improves. If society improves, we're all better off as individuals. It's, it's, it's a kind of a circle of sorts. But it all starts with each of us sincerely wanting to be better people. And the only true way for this to happen is to be wholly immersed in God, in his word, in him through prayer. Jesus showed us that our ultimate teacher is not man, but God, our Father. By giving us the Holy Spirit, Father has made it possible for us to also listen to him and learn how to follow his leading. In John 14, verse 26, it states, But the comfort of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will, mind, and will remind you of everything I've said to you. The Holy Spirit is there. We have to be like David. And, and, and of course, the Psalms are filled with him just reaching out. But in, in Psalm 25, 4, he says, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. We have to be earnest. We have to be we have to be in that place where there's room for the Holy Spirit to be able to come in so that we can be receptive to his prompting, to his urging, ultimately God's teaching. Steve Porter, uh, one of the authors I, I looked at 
while studying, he asked these questions that I think we should all pay very close attention to. And in no particular order, here are some questions that I'd like for all of us to ponder. Do we really have a burning desire to be taught? Do we honor and respect wisdom from a multitude of counselors? Are we diligently seeking God's best in our lives, refusing to compromise our integrity and character? Are we motivated to becoming wise and applying this wisdom to our lives? Are we paying close attention to our teachers and refusing to pass up opportunities to learn? Are we learning from our past mistakes, refusing to keep falling into the same traps? To fall into a pit is one thing. To stay there is another. It's true. Proverbs 4.13. It says, Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Just to make sure that we are clear, the definition of instruction is a direction or order, and more importantly, it is detailed information telling how something should be done, operated, or assembled. With that said, let me read Proverbs 4.13 again. Keep hold of the detailed information that I have provided for you, telling you how something, how you should live your life, how things should be done, and how you should operate. Do not let go. Guard it. For this detailed information is your life. It is your life everlasting. Here's what's really interesting about our instruction manual. The word. And our instructor. We will never... Never, never, never fully learn it all. And when we think we have, our instructor provides new insight. He takes us from, from simple addition and subtraction all the way up through calculus 4 and beyond. All of that is here. So we cannot, we cannot know it all. Our role is just to want to keep learning, to want to keep soaking it up, to keep looking for new insights. You've heard the saying, <laughs> we've arrived or I've arrived. Um, we know that we will never arrive. As Christians, in relationship with God, we will never arrive, not here. Not this world. But we have to keep making steps in pursuit of arriving. We have to keep working at it. And we can only achieve this by keeping a teachable spirit. It is one of the most important keys to 
sustainability and success on this Christian journey. The teachability is tantamount to humility. It is. It keeps us from getting off track. We will never know all there is to know. But by maintaining a posture of teachability and a desire to keep learning, we will acquire what we need to be effective kingdom workers, to bring glory to God, and to achieve his goal for us that we talked about right at the very beginning, which is life everlasting in him. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we just uh, thank you again for opportunity to jump into your word. Thank you for the lessons that, that I have learned. Help me, help us to get out of, out of our way, Lord, as we seek to put into action what it is that you're instructing us to do. Help us just to be, be humble, to receive your word, to receive instruction, not just from the word itself, but from those around us, just to help us to be better people. I mean, it's, it's cliche, but Father, if we are better people, then there's that much more appealing about the kingdom and there are more people who want to be a part of it. And true change in our world can happen. Everything that we're dealing with right now, in everything that's, that, 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 that we, we see and are experiencing, all that gets moved to the wayside. Father, as we all seek to truly be more like you. Like the hymn said, Father God, I long to know thy will and thy way. It's there for us. You have it here in your word. Give us power, Father, to pray and the power, Father God, to do. Can we just thank you for the opportunity to, to come to you, Lord God. Hopefully with contrite hearts that are, that it's not about what we have, but Lord, that we recognize that we are broken and, and desperately in need of what you can do for us in terms of your instruction so that we can bring you glory. God and protect us, Father God. We pray and give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.